0: Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community... And our businesses, remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the biz bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern day bruja, fourth generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides, creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am so excited. Bienvenidos, everyone. Bienvenidos. I'm excited to share someone that you know, every so often, every couple of weeks, we're on the phone and we're having these deep, deep talks. And we're like, oh, that should have been on the podcast. Oh, that should have been on the podcast. And now we are. We're going to be able to have these conversations and to share her beautiful work. Her name is Shama Danani. Shama, thank you for being here. Hello, Vanessa.
1: I know. I'm glad we're going to share our convos with the world.
0: I know. <laughs> so excited finally to get you on here. And before we get into it, because we got a lot to cover um, maybe she'll have to come back another time so we can continue talking because I know we can talk forever. But I can keep partying. No, <laughs> I know. I know. So, but I want to read her bio to everyone because I want to share her expertise and her journey. And then get into it even deeper when we go in. So, her bio Shama Danani, a hypnotherapist and certification trainer, soul coach, and shamanic chakra energy teacher, and owner of Shama's Light Crystal Sanctuary and Spirit Tools online shop. After 19 years in financial services, understanding wealth, mindsets, and strategies, Shama emerged. Shama merged her work with ancient and modern wellness practices, considering the deeper knowledge of the body and patterns of mind to support clients in creating a personal and practical pathway to fulfillment towards goals through a peaceful yet empowering present. Shama guides you to create awareness beyond blind spots to unlearn limiting thoughts, outdated beliefs, and positions that that you allow to hold you back. Shama offers private sessions, workshops, group programs, wellness retreats and customized corporate wellness experiences to reduce stress and relax into your results as a creator herself shama offers handcrafted shamanic energy clearing tools including sage kits smudging feather fans and wands adorned with crystals for her from her own online crystals and spirit tools shop welcome 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 and i think that i'm going to have be a little tongue tied in this podcast cuz i was like <laughs> so who knows i mean mercury went direct but uh, we're still like probably in the shadow phase yes and so- saturn retrograde is still one of the workhorses slowing
1: down so let's forgive the tongue tying on both of us
0: <laughs> yes yes so shama i want to kind of like go deep with you like real fast mm-hmm. i want to know a little more about your background um and your your moment of spiritual awakening right Sometimes it's not a moment, it's little moments, that compound, or it's just an awareness, maybe that we grew up with, however it goes. But I'd love to know a little more about like, how, you know, growing up, what was it like for you? Were you always a little being? I mean, we all are, but I think there
1: was, you know, kind of like a diamond. I feel like there was a point where I was squeezed where it cracked open, Um, which I believe that It was bound to happen anyway. Um, I actually grew up in an abusive home. So there was alcohol abuse, there was physical abuse, there was emotional, mental abuse. And there was a point I remember, it's like a a moment I can visually remember. I was hiding in my closet on the phone with my best friend who was visiting her home in Puerto Rico. And there was something in me. And this is part of why I think what I do now is because a lot of how I help empower people is through relationships and through connecting because that connection for me helped activate something in me. And I knew and whenever in life I reference a point where I knew there was a spark within me that was saying I'm here there's something more that's the moment I always envision i'm in that dark closet. On a call with my best friend i'm feeling like I, I there's so much more to life, and I knew this, and now there was validation and that spark happened right and that spark. It's it's like that moment of like, there was truth. I had other moments of truth in my youth, but I didn't remember those until much later and they came back to me. Um, but that was, I wanna say I might've been like 13, 12, 13. Okay. Yeah. And so like, that was one of those moments that I knew I was designed for something other than what was told was what I was designed for. Cause I was raised in an Islamic Indian home so I was raised by parents who follow islam but in a culture that's very mixed religion islam hinduism i have some friends who are indian christians cuz in america there's not a lot of us i think there's maybe like now there's like a 12 13% population and when i was growing up i think it was like 3 4% of america was indian from india like i am south asian right. and so it was very like a very very isolated cultural experience which was great, but I, there was something in me and the way I describe it now is mean. To, I was meant to remember more and breathe in more. And there's more of like a worldly experience to that. Now I know my spiritual lineage from so many other parts of the world. But at that moment, God, if
0: I had only known then what was coming, holy moly. <laughs> well, the thing is, if we kind of knew we might not want to do it, right? Well, like, exactly we do. I mean, maybe we do, but it'll, it's really, Yeah. And even when we think about it, I mean, you're younger than me, but the thing is, like, even when we were, I don't know, maybe there was already Wi-Fi when you were 13, but it was about to start, start, but we didn't have like the access that everybody has now. Correct. It was a different. And so how did you, so the spark started, it was through connection. When did you, did you, and and did you, I don't want to assume, did you leave Islam behind? I did.
1: very early in life, but I just couldn't claim that fully um, because it was just so unacceptable. (laughs) The things that I wanted in my life, which seem very normal to an American world. And and, you know, there's this concept and I don't know if we talked about this, Vanessa, but um, I'm a first generation American and there is this shared understanding of when our parents emigrated to America. They brought with them their culture stamped in a certain point in time. Yes. So like when we talk to people in India, they had moved on. They they, the language evolved. The yes, right, I dated somebody from
0: Croatia once who went right. after 30 years and they're like, oh my God, you speak like our grandparents. And he's right. like, this is how we speak at home now. <laughs> right. And yeah. so like we had a similar
1: experience where like my parents were stuck and frozen in time at the point that they emigrated to this country but our culture of Islam had evolved it become much more open to women like I was raised in a culture with arranged marriage and I was like hell no that's not happening for me it's not my thing like this doesn't feel like it's right for me I just knew that the body I came in and had a different assignment I just knew it it wasn't this (laughs) it was here for something else and i really believe that i believe we incarnate in a specific body like i'm in a brown south asian body and a minority in this country you know quote unquote i say that because i choose to move like i want to fucking move anyway yes because otherwise i may never move right right so it's like the courage is the path keep going (laughs) keep living the life or creating the life um but it's there was a lot of walls and barriers and boundaries that I had to break through just to work. So at that time, I felt the sparks and I hadn't quite tapped into exactly how big of an expanse they led to. I was just chasing safety, financial stability. And honestly, it was a course of miracles that just happened to land me in the work I did and learned so much about finance because I just kept going. I kept going to the next step. I didn't have a planned out life of like, this is the next step of next checkbox and next, I didn't have it that way. you know, sometimes when you're fighting for survival, you just do the next best thing to survive. And that was kind of how it was going at first.
0: I know how that is,
1: you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of women and even men that know what that's like. Eventually I hit a point. I think it was like 25 I met my ex-husband. He was not of our culture and I had moved out already. I was living on my own for like eight, 10 years. And my parents had no say over my life. So it was a very different experience, which didn't work out, <laughs> which is fine. I'm sure you
0: learned something as we oh, all do. <laughs> so
1: much. I learned so much. And it was an interracial marriage. So I learned even more from that dynamic. He was a police officer. There was layers of learning that I had a decade ago that made so much more sense two years ago when everything started going down in this country. Right. So like the universe set me up. I set me up, my higher self, who knows? We can all play in what that is, right? To have experiences that would allow me to have an understanding of a wider net of world Mm -hmm. from, I would say multiple experiences. This is one of the great things of, of having lived in a city like New York. I've had amazing experiences with people of all diversities in the range of all shades, of all cultures of all ethnicities that's like a really and grateful for it it's like rare beautiful thing right and you know that from living in queens like the hot spot of that of
0: the world yeah. and i lived in manhattan for a while too but no but just, queens is the hot spot of culture yeah. in the whole world i didn't know that That's yeah
1: amazing. especially for food
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's so funny because i found that i when i got into i was already because i was in service you know with my community But when I started to decide or it was decided for me or we co-created that this was my Mm -hmm. career and I started to move into spaces with coaches, etc. They kind of tried to shame me. I have to say some that happened from Queens, by the way. Right now, everybody's like multi, you know, diversity, inclusivity, everything. But there I was dating the U.N. And having friends from the UN, and having people from in my circles from you know, just representing the UN, and I could say like, the folks who lived in Manhattan, uh, I think it happens to Staten Island people too, though I think to a degree. What part? I've heard a lot of negative things from about Staten Island what we part yes no yeah. just the whole thing like oh my god you gotta get a fairy forget it it's not part of oh, you yeah that, that, that kind of attitude all... right? you know what i've never hated it because that's kept people off of it <laughs> right. hello that's fine. exactly exactly and then people rediscovered queens and they're like oh my god the food i can get here i can get there and you're like no don't come <laughs> oh, yes. it is the hotbed of culture and we were so blessed to have yeah. that yeah. So you were to break away. I'm sure your family was not happy about that.
1: No. And you know what, that's when I will say that the survival chain broke somewhere between when I met him and, you know, I won't even say that it was when we got divorced, it broke because I'm sure looking back now, even though I haven't analyzed it, but just knowing what we know as hypnotherapists, like I'm yeah. sure there was codependency there. There had to be, because he also started drinking. And that's when I was like, these things are not gonna work out because I came from this kind of environment. I will not repeat this pattern. That was before I even went into hypnotherapy as a profession, I something in me was like, I can't repeat this pattern.
0: Yes, that's so I was always intrigued by the mind and I knew that we had really, cause you know, you hear all these stories of people surviving on the mountains, people surviving in concentration camps, people surviving torture. Like you think of people surviving poverty, abuse, oppression, you know that the soul and the mind, it has so much more and yeah. so absolutely attracted to that. Um, when you stepped into hypnotherapy, was there a moment where you were like aha this is changing my whole life i mean again it could be the first more-
1: moment the very first session moment like i something cracked open in me that the best way i can describe it is like first of all my life felt like i was destroyed because i had just went through a divorce so yeah. <laughs> What traumatic life experience often cracks us open, right? But that that was a part of it. But it was so it made the surrender into opening up necessary and possible. You know, it's it's almost like I had to hold it together because that was my survival technique and letting go of some survival technique like that for somebody who comes from an abusive background. It was going to take a little bit more. And that's what it took for me, you know. So once I went from that into hypnotherapy, I was ready to be just Split open and being like, let's look at
0: this. What happens in here? That's how it goes, right? It's like, <laughs> you're like oh my God, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. <gasps> oh God, I feel better. Okay, I got to go in there all the way. And I know you said earlier, which may be the title of this whole thing, The Courage is the Path. You said that. Earlier. Courage
1: is the Path. I yeah. always, yeah. I'm always, that's my mantra to myself because I mean, for the Vanessa, you were there intimately for me for the past two years where like I've, got to face down a lot of issues around racism and people in the communities that i had served and a lot of things in my life shifted in that where my business paid for it my livelihood paid for it and i almost lost my home like it got pretty serious and totally worth it because i needed to clear that karmic space i know that now um and whoever was in those experiences with me i hope they got what they needed i don't know if they all did their parts but you know that's not my karma. It's not my business. I'm going to go keep co-creating what it is I want to experience in this life. And, and I, that's I, why the courage is the path, because otherwise I can ruminate in the past. I've had family members that can't come out of the past because of the traumas we've had. And I know that that's an Achilles heel.
0: I hear you. No, la verdad, it's true. It's true. And I admire your bravery. And please share you know, only what you're comfortable sharing. And I know you will, because you're really good at <laughs> it. You'll be like, nope, I'm not talk about it. I'm so um, good at boundaries, but you're right. Um, we were just talking about this before we started recording, and so you know, it affected your business. It affected you. What would you say is the like? If you don't want to get, you're not going to get specific. But what, like, what did you go through? Like, what was?
1: Um, I experienced being manipulated um like mental manipulation and i also so that was in one instance in another instance i experienced when i say that it was almost like a workplace stuff thing but it was so well legally wound up that it would cost me more of my sanity and money to even do anything about and so i made my choices (laughs) um which is a very common story like you you know and we pick and choose our battles because I'm not going to spend my energy and get toxic in a situation engaging with toxins. But there are takers and there are givers. And we've all heard the saying, but givers need to learn boundaries because the takers don't know any.
0: Right.
1: right? And so it's kind of that. There's other instances where I <laughs> behind closed doors was told certain people are unethical and out of line. And these were in studios and places where South Asian teachings are where they make their money. So it's the culture I'm a part of and I was included in these places until I questioned those ethics, putting people on a pedestal that I was just told are unethical. And these were privileged people, Let will just put it like that. And so I was, of course, the one who got shunned out of the community. (laughs) So it's just ironic because these were places where I had partnered to earn a living. And one of them was a place I consulted and was 60% of my income.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry.
1: Because I'd made that commitment. It was a place that I also went to teach. So other trainees learned from me. And through that process, I learned the lack of ethics and it just all the red flags went up, but I was already committed. I'd already let go of my client base, not all of them, but like the ones that didn't continue on. So I can make room for this. I was, it was a step forward in my career. Um, So, you know, we learn our lessons. My takeaway is the part that, you know, the only thing we can do is what we take ownership of. (laughs) Because <laughs> I can't do anything about people who can't see what they don't see. And as anybody on a spectrum of minority or experience or has experienced any type of oppression knows, that other people can't see it unless they get a taste. It's just one of those things. So letting it go is really healthy, but also learning. I don't do things like that anymore. The people I work with now and I partner with, are people I've had conversations with? I don't do Instagram social media pace partnerships. I don't play that game. We do things the old school way because the old school way is rooted and that's why we're shamans and not coaches, right? Like there's that difference, that anchoring that we talked about last time too. It's this is I've this is one of the things that I know helped revive me over the past few months is I was committed and am committed to moving through the roots. That's just how we move. We move through the roots. If you haven't seen Avatar, go see it. That tree, Mm -hmm. we move through the roots. We are not the machines manipulating at the top surface. And there are machines manipulating at the surface, feeding people things that they think they wanna hear based on the manipulations of what society's advertising and programming our brains to think we should look like, eat, be, and relationships. heteronormative relationship even looks like what about what a bisexual or lgbt relationship looks like there's so many labels but there's so much power in creation of whatever you want to create
0: absolutely and i agree with you that it is in the roots and that we're not machines but yet Mm -hmm. you know let's get our little like the app for productivity let's get this going let's get that where we can find ourselves you know Did I do the steps Did I do this, did I check this off we're not machines we're supposed to flow, so you talked about well, this is why we're shamans how did you come to shamanism.
1: Okay, so. (laughs) There is the subtle way where spirit came to me, but then there was the more obvious way that got the human in me to pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) So i'm going to talk about the human in me one first because I feel like it had the most help Um, which. Really, the only way I can describe it, you know, when you're called to attend a class and you just go, it's one of those things I was called to attend a class, it was a shamanic teacher and I just went. And something in me got activated it was I I don't even know how to describe it in words, it was an energy a feeling like a knowing something woke up and that began my apprenticeship of waking the F up really like yes which which. I'm going to say that was your the, apprenticeship to waking the F up, which yeah. is a lifelong process, y'all. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, some of us might be leaders and teachers in it, but it's still a lifelong process because it is the process of life. The whole thing like so that happened. But when that happened in physicality, I also woke up to when it happened in spirituality for me, because after my divorce, I went through a really deep, dark period. Um, And I think we all do this, like, right, the the death of the soul repeatedly. And it was a point where I called in for help from higher beings and a higher power. And I had three people, three three beings, three avatars, not people, (laughs) they're not people anymore, avatars, that came to comfort me. And it was Jesus, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. Now, remember, I was raised in Islam. I have no idea who these people are about. But they came to me and they helped me through healing processes very specific. Jesus brought the masculine energy um, and the faith and, hey, excuse me. Um, I'm like, you talking about me down there? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, and there was this comfort of like this, the ba- it was a cradling of the core of his purpose, which is we're all one. Right, it was like his whole point was like the resurrection, we're all part of this one energy, <laughs> and that's what he brought. In. He's like, You're whole, and that was really powerful for me from a masculine place and very healing because I had just lost a masculine in my life and I'd been raised by an abusive one. Um, and so that was the first wave. Then Mary was part of the comfort, and then Mary Magdalene helped awaken my sexuality, and that became like a four year apprenticeship. After that is when I found this teacher who helped activate my conscious awareness around it and start wrapping pieces together that were happening throughout my life. And I realized that one of the experiences I had when I was like laying in my bed, it felt like there was a panther circling me and I felt like I was the panther. Then I remembered when I was, maybe it was even earlier than my teens, we had went to India and we were driving on its open road in the jungles of India and it was an open jeep open air jeep and we had stopped in the road and this gorgeous big cat staring dead on and i, I like locked eyes with this thing and i was gone i don't even know where i went I, when i was a kid so it was like this phenomenal thing of like i didn't feel any difference between us and that moment came back to me when i started activating and it was like oh then i had past life regressions that helped connect the dots of like oh i'm here for the earth I'm here a part of this from this. Like, this is a part of it all. It's the messages are in the roots.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think sometimes people battle out like, you're a shaman and you only have to come from this country or that country. But we've talked about this before. Yeah. There are shamans, wise one, root workers, earth workers, people who commune with spirit and walk between the worlds, medicine makers, mujer medicina, hombre medicina. Like, in North America, Latin America, in Asia, in Europe, in Africa, in Australia. Yeah, right? all over the so world. it's not like no one owns it, you know? And where, is there a place for shamans in a country and the culture that you come from? So it's really interesting
1: because shamanism, the term itself originated in Northern Asia. So Siberia is north of Asia, and then it moved down from there. And I'm from Northern India. So as it goes across the Himalayas, probably carried down in that term, do I think that people there call themselves that anymore or do that? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, it's so interesting, because there's been a lot of dilution in America, at least around the terms of reverence in India, like guru is a term of reverence, because it's a reference to teacher. Yeah. And I come from a culture that reveres teachers. We don't live in a culture that reveres teachers, y'all. So if I can't, I can't Hello. use that word here. Except for my community and right, community. right, and but I mean, yes, like I as a, this community right here, the bizruha community, yes. But yeah, like yeah. America at large, yes. Or I, I, don't know what it's like in Europe to be honest. But yeah. in America at large, where I grew up, holy f man, that is not no. not reverence. No, and so shaman feels like home to me. Mm. It's. It's the universal language for medicine man or woman to me. Yes. And I think that's the universal of everything for all of us because when we talk history and where we're all from and the lineages we're all from, we often forget that it was only a few centuries before that, that that landmass was one fricking landmass. Yep. The land masses moved apart. The water moved us apart. The mm-hmm. people are actually the same. I I took my dad, who grew up in India, in the jungles of India, um, in Gujarat, so northwestern India, and I took him to a Native American powwow a couple of years before COVID, and he's like, I saw this when I was a boy, they tour India, they move around, they live in India, and I'm like, Same culture. He's like, yeah, I'm like the same dances. He's like, yeah, the same music. I'm like, yeah. So we went back a year, another year just to like really witness. He's like, this is the same things. The costumes were a little different. Maybe they had different feathers because we have a lot of different feathers there. And it's just like, yo, this landmass of the Americas has the same indigenous people doing the same indigenous dances as the landmass in Asia. And I'm pretty sure the Mongols are doing the same thing because I've witnessed those ceremonies. I'm pretty sure we've seen the shamans of Siberia do the same thing, right? And then the African tribes, we've seen the same thing. It's like we've all, we're all doing similar things, carried forward in different flavors.
0: I agreed with you 150 billion percent. Yes, and it's so important And, and I think what
1: and both, those different flavors matter. They have reverence. like yes, Because it yes, took yes. cultures' survival, literally, right? And some yes. of them barely to carry it forward.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so miraculous, right? It's so miraculous. Like, you know, yes. that I just recently finished my last initiation with the um, Inca Medicine School in Maestro Abaza, an um, Andean cosmology and Andean um Yusta, Paco path. And, you know, I sat in sweat lodge with my Lakota teacher uh, for many, many years, and then I was like called to do like South American work, and it is, there's similarities, there are also differences, and as you said, it took the survival of that particular clan, that particular tribe, that particular group, um, it, it took all the effort to keep this particular medicine alive, and yeah. so do you ever get pushed back by anyone in any way about be calling yourself a shaman you shouldn't but i'm just saying um, i'm curious you know i'll be honest
1: i don't get pushed back on that directly but i get pushed back and i i don't know where those stem from right because i have an ambiguous look sometimes i really do and i teach the chakras which is from a lineage i'm a part of but it's not the religious affiliation right so The other aspect of that is Hinduism has carried this forward of the chakras. However, before that, (laughs) all of that region of the world is Vedic before Islam came through and converted all of them. Then it was Islamic before Christianity and the Crusades came through and converted Mm -hmm. them. Like, do you see the patterns here, right? Like we were all from similar roots and then waves of other manipulations came through and said, here's another layer of this, here's another layer of this. I find it fascinating to learn across all those cultures because there's so many similarities of what we do.
0: Yes. Similarities
1: in perhaps sound. And that's like the one thing that I know that the Middle East and India did was scientifically validate things. And that's where the Vedic systems and chakras brought that aspect in which America is still not recognizing that aspect of it. The scientific understanding is what led to the chakra systems, the nadis, all of that, because they study the body as a science. Yoga is based on the science of it, too, and moving the energy. And we here often just do the physical asanas and movements, right, or just the specific chakra clearings. Sometimes chakras are taught with tons of other things that have nothing to do with that culture because it's been marketed now. But if you go and I think I said this earlier, if you go right to the root, you ride the superhighway all the way through and then do the other superhighway of the other lineage, right? And then do another superhighway of another lineage if that's how you feel. But when you bring two parts together from two different lineages, you're slowing down your traffic. Mm-hmm. That's how I experience see it and teach it. And I notice right. it when I teach it in reverence to the lineage it comes from. It's so much stronger, so much faster. There's something different about it
0: absolutely because you're actually calling on the sacred ancestors of that particular path and so they're not getting confused or mixed up with everything else because they're coming in strong and they're coming in pure um maestro paza was asking all of us who finished the program not to dilute it or change it or mix it with anything so i know that moving forward as i start sharing it with my audiences and my people it's going to be like okay, everybody. Now we're going to do exactly this Andean path that I was taught. Let's leave that other Brujita stuff aside and leave the other things that we're we're working on right now. And in the end, there are so many different, like you said, similarities. But we are on an Earth. Well, we are one, and yet we're going through it. We're going through it differently. Yeah, we're choosing to incarnate in different bodies, different races, different cultures. And I think that it's really important to honor. Right? Like, yeah. I've been in situations where people were mixing all these different names of things and they weren't really explaining. Right? And so I have a tendency to close a reading or close a space with, um, so this shall be ashe, aho, and amen. Ashe is West African. Aho, I learned it through my Lakota teachers. Amen is my Catholic background, right? My foundation. Blessed be my Wiccan side. But I explain why I say these things and I say to people, don't repeat it unless you have a relationship. Mm -hmm. with these cultures or these words or where this comes from i have studied these various paths and that's why i'm using these words but i think that we're in a modern day where everybody's like throwing this word out throwing that word phrases you know and and we just said why you shouldn't yeah we just said it yeah I i mean purity you want to call in that pure magic and i personally like if i speak to myself um because i know that i'm super 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 mixed like we've talked about this privately i understand now why i was called to the different magics that i was called to and when i call on my ancestors i mix it right Mm -hmm. but i'm not doing an andean ritual right i'm like hey everybody my peoples you know and i got got, you know something that represents um argentina and south america something that represents italy something that represents siberia something that represents We said that my dad's DNA originated in India, right? We were talking about that the other day. It was like thousands of years ago. I have different things that represent and I call all of them forward. Right. And that's my personal time to come commune with spirit. But when I'm teaching or guiding, I want to be clear, you know, if I'm teaching a particular path that I'm going to be specific to that.
1: Because we all get our own initiations from different lineages. Like you'll, you know, I was initiated by... ISIS and Kali together, and it's mind-boggling because it was wild, um, lasted a very long time, um, and it was very intense. But I can be a really intense human, <laughs> so totally. So that was perfect for my personality, and I'm very fiery sometimes. And Kali is a part of my culture, the counterpart to ISIS of Egypt, and in timelines historically, because. When I think of how we reincarnate, Isis incarnated at a different timeline as Kali, but they're the same avatar to me. In my soul, they're one and the same. Right. And it's well, they like, call
0: her she of a thousand names, right? right? Like the goddess, the goddess archetype. And we know that when Christianity came in, you know, all over the world, they tried to stamp out the goddess.
1: There's they thousands of goddesses,
0: Elamaris, Black Madonna. Um, And they made her white, right? And they made her the Virgin Mary. And it's not
1: the father, son, and the Holy Ghost. It's a father, mother, and the child, the creation.
0: Yes. That's the OG,
1: yo. It's not father, son, Holy Ghost.
0: Mm -hmm. You're not praying to the death. You're praying to creation. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you said that. And you said it pretty loudly. (laughs) And, you know, Kali came through to you because for me I was initiated really powerfully um by several goddesses but hecate came through mm. right of the the trifold goddess of like the three paths but she's like this old crone right and also shun came in who's a west african goddess of sweetness and love etc and then Rhiannon came in right from like the Welsh goddess of the horses. And I'm just like, wow. oh, my God, what's happening over here? Had God, got a goddess party. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And, and and the deep initiations. And by the way, I usually don't talk about this specifically as well to honor and respect people who spent years and years being, let's say, priestesses of Oshun. I'm not claiming anything of her. I'm saying that the archetype of her energy came through and said hey pay attention to this yeah. and brought me into this wisdom but I'm not claiming that I'm a priestess or initiated in that path I just want to make sure that anybody who's listening to honor that but it's true and also our ancestors who've been everywhere and also our past lives that have been in different places
1: oh right? my goodness yes right and so Especially when you get to know how
0: many and where and you're kind of like well that shit makes sense <laughs> I know, totally crazy. So I wanted to ask you a couple of questions that i like to ask everyone, um, but I do want to touch on yoga for a minute. Okay. Because I, I know you talk talked about, about that. So do you feel that finally things are changing? Because like every time since I'm a little kid, even though I knew it was from India, everybody that I saw was super skinny, super, either it was an old white man teaching it, or it was a very young blonde, blue eyed, very skinny woman. And by the way, no issue with anybody who looks like that out there. I'm just saying this is what I saw because media raised up those teachers above the Vedic or Indian teachers, right? Or East Asian, right? They still do. So do you think there have been any changes? Do you think there's been some changes?
1: Um, You know, I would say we celebrate every win and it's very slow. Um, it's in my personal experience, it's really down to the people we work with. Um, and I think it's an educational experience for everyone, to be honest, but the challenge with that is not everybody is willing to step up to that, that way, if they get defensive and protective. And often people who have leveraged their businesses on it get defensive and protective. That's been my experience to be quite frank. And, you know, to each their own. <laughs> I, I think I said earlier that South Asian, so South Asia, India is where yoga has come down along from and been taught from and the parts we do in America, are mostly just the asanas the physical aspects so it's not even the full practice. The people that are doing the full practice are doing it in reverence and I think that's amazing I highly recommend that because you know. If you expect the full benefits and you expect the outcome that comes from it, you got to put in the work there's there's no this is the real world folks where we put in the work. I don't think that on this channel or in the world that I exist in there's people of such privilege that don't get that get shit without putting in any work so real world real talk we put in the work right. yeah that's where we get the return on that investment. Totally now how we get the return on the investment can be up to you, but I would say I had to learn that I have to set standards for the places I go and what i'm willing to tolerate and do because until I've done work with people, I don't know if they're takers or not. So I need to set the standard going in, is what I've learned. I've also also learned some people are willing to do the work and understand this ish is messy because you're human and you're trying to earn a living. I'm human and you're earning a living off of the things that are part of my background um I'm not gonna do like I also work on unattaching right because I may be born in this body this is from my background but I'm also here to live I'm not here to attach to everything but it's like do it with reverence (laughs) when you do it and exclude people like me from it now you're doing something that's against the healthy vibration of the world I want to exist in and I just I'll remove myself but also now you're misrepresenting the thing that comes from that people that look like me. You're diluting it, you're making it look like it's biased. It's, you know, like in India, women still look like, or, and it's fading out because they follow American culture, but the goddesses of all times, the goddesses with the curves, like we, this mass marketing of the skinny, Pale, because that's a, it's a thing in every culture. Yes, Um green every culture. I don't care what colors are in your culture. That's a culture thing everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, I went to Argentina after many, many years. And I remember when I was younger, I felt very comfortable because I do have hips and I do have a chest and I do have a behind and I do have thighs um, and I'm not super tall that. I was comfortable around the women because I was like, oh, we're alike. And then I went back, but when I went back, like, what is it, 20 years later? Yes, it's changed. um, There were like child mannequins in women, like clothing stores for women. Mm -hmm. And it was like, not even a zero, it was children's because it was no boob whatsoever, no hip whatsoever, and no behind whatsoever. And look, if you're built that way, you're beautiful just the way you are, but to market to people, but most not anything, are not but that they, way. right? Right, most women, you know, you had a child, you didn't have a child, you got something you're a pear shaped and you got a bigger lower body, even if you don't have a big chest, or you have a big chest, or you're apple shaped, or you, or even if you're an hourglass, because those those mannequins are not even our last.
1: So if you were to look at, I love to study the migration patterns of humans and DNA migration. So mm-hmm. I like to get geeky about things like that. Maybe it's, so when I was in finance, we would study stocks, right? We study patterns. I love studying patterns. And I wanted to learn about the migration patterns of history, right? So of population of America, because this is where that advertising comes from. Very thin, real, tall, often blonde, right? Like these are the images that were now we're fading away from and incorporating more inclusiveness. But this is what's programmed most of our country for the past 20 to 40 generations. And when I looked, it's no surprise because majority of America, at least in the Northeast, where the most population was up until the recent migrations, 60% are descending from that look of German descent of the population of America. So. Marketing is always done to the majority and that's what the majority looks like and they want everybody else to look at the majority
0: right like it's like. Abercrombie Fitch need I say more, I never went to that store, so I saw that there was a documentary about it, and my stepdaughter was talking about it and she's a tall beautiful middle you know Middle Eastern look she's Turkish right. And she's like, I want it to be like that. And then she turned to me, did you ever go there? I'm like, no, I looked at those images. I was like, I ain't that I ain't even trying. I'm not going in there. And I agree with you. And, you know, it's interesting, too. I was at a dinner party the other day and um, one of the people older, like in their 80s, in their 80s, very sharp professor, done all these things. They said to me, you know, how do you feel living in central Pennsylvania now? And I was like, I'll be very frank, there's great things about it. I got nature, I got a beautiful house, I got a man that I love, I got my cats, I got things. I feel like I'm losing my culture here the longer I last here, right? And they're like, well, I'm like, no hablo español, I'm not speaking Spanish. And I know there are Latinos here, They don't. I don't happen to cross many of them. The music, there's no Argentinian food. Yes, thank God there's Puerto Rican and Dominican, I do eat that. But I was like, just being able to talk to all my girlfriends who come from different places, but quite a bit of them are Latino, right, and Latina. And, thank, and I have my community online, which is. but, and, and then they got insulted. First, when I said I'm losing my culture, she <laughs> goes, you know now, now you've got to define what culture means. Because to me, I think of you as an American. And I said, I'm bicultural and bilingual. Uh-huh. And I was born in another country, my first language is Espanol. I got rid of my accent because I was bullied and I sat in front of a TV till I memorized the words. And I said, but if I get really, really angry, I'll start going brother and mother, by the way, you've never seen that. But I do. I start going, don't do that, my brother. And it's like, whoa, it it comes back to me if I'm really, really pissed. And then my tongue starts doing other things because that's my first language. And she got annoyed. And I said, you know what? There's nothing wrong with appreciating where we are, Mm -hmm. America and the freedoms that it does carry, as opposed to. I mean, it has a long way to go. Okay, I'm not saying and also appreciating where we come from and what we miss and what we love, like what we love. And and that was something like you said, people don't get it until it's them. Mm-hmm. But this person did descend from what you're talking about. She's a tall, she's lived in Denmark, she's lived in Holland. She fit in great in those places. They've and always she, been centered. So she's always been centered and her people have always been centered. and And she's like, oh, well, maybe you should go and get your exotic food, right? And I'm like, it ain't that exotic. It's just a piece of meat. You know? I was like, Argentinian people, it's not that exotic. It's just like a really good piece of meat that you put chimichurri on top of it. Okay. It's not like that exotic, but you don't have it here, lady. So that's what I want. You know, and everybody laughed and we were able to, to maintain. And I was like, wow, why do I have to push so hard to be understood? Right. Mm. So, it's a human
1: experience. It's not an exotic experience.
0: Like. Right. That's
1: that's but that's the that's the old programming, right? Like ex, I and we're of the generations where that's still how
0: we were looked at. Exotic. Yeah, and like you're like, like, you're very light, but you're not quite right. With, <laughs> or for people heard me speaking Spanish when I was in college, they heard me speaking Spanish. But again, I went through a different thing where we we're like, well, you don't you don't have black curly hair and tan skin, so you're not Latina. But then people were, but you are. It depended on who's looking and who's dealing, right? But I just got through it where people were like, wait, that's not Italian. What are you speaking? It's like Espanol. And then, you know, the thing that happens with Latinx people, we come from so many different places, probably with your people too, They you have different accents in different areas, but that's okay. They're all welcome and they're all loved and they're all beautiful. I was actually just teaching
1: about that this weekend with Aum. The way we say it in India is Aum, A-U-M. And when I was teaching it in the yoga studio, they were like, oh, we were taught it was O-H-M or O-M or however it's taught here. And I was like, that's because America comes up with its own spelling for everything the way it wants. And that's not the way I'm teaching it because this is straight up from the homeland of chakras and this is how we teach it. (laughs) You can teach it however you, like you can learn it, however it's translated for you is fine. But that's, that is not how it's done. Yeah that's simple somebody took it and said this is what it is and you believe them i'm from the place where i'm from and i'm telling you we didn't do that this is how it actually is
0: (laughs) i love it i love it i have two questions for you because you know we go on for hours yeah what are some of because i think we've been on an hour i'm not sure but anyway Hmm. i want to ask um what are some of the ancestral and i think you may have broken it you may have already talked about it breaking these but what are some of the ancestral patterns you had to break in order to be who you are today? Oh man, you go right for the jugular deep. I know, but this time I was like, let's talk about other things <laughs> before I go there. All I right, start with this. People, I was you want to do with... the other
1: part of the question too? And I just get them both at once. Yes,
0: yes. And what are the ancestral
1: gifts that you've unearthed? Okay, um, patterns. So I have, you know, and I have to say, I'm still in that phase where I cry out of gratitude out of this sometimes. When you feel that spark and you feel the pull to keep doing the work, keep doing the damn work. And I say that, and I'm thinking of my dad because he quit drinking 20 years ago. He's been in recovery for a very long time. He and I have repaired our relationship. The abuser is gone. He has now become a healer along with me because in interacting with me, in showing up to me in the way that a healthy dynamic would have been he's given me the opportunity to reparent literally. And that's a gorgeous thing. Like we often as hypnotherapists reparent in hypnotherapy. So it's possible to do that there too. But to have the privilege to do that while he's still alive after two heart attacks and the courage to be willing to do the deeper work within myself, right? Like I had to get over the pains, the horrors, the angers, the pains, anything that was there around that any of the patterns any of the expectations and i had to allow myself to see this man as a human male being and then work backwards from there into hey you know you're a person hey when you were a person then you became a dad this was my experience with you right and it was like this year's journey like i started this when i started hypnotherapy that was part of the base of what i've been working on ever since and that was in 2014 eight years now and the healing and the rewards that have come of that I don't even know if I can give quantification to like I get to know this person in ways that I wouldn't have maybe gotten to know him had we had a healthy father-daughter relationship because now I get to know him as a person yes the experiences he had who he fell in love with before him and my mom had an arranged marriage and then that now they're separated right so like I get to I learned that my dad published some poetry for Indian magazines before he came to America which is great because I'm obsessed with poetry and I love to sing and these are things that I really allowed myself to uncover after my 30s and so it's like oh this is part of the DNA yes (laughs) you know like this really very liberating sense to know the body I chose makes sense in the lineage and the karmic work, like it all aligned as it cleared. So I would say that's both like uprooting deep work, soul-wrenching work uh, to face down the patterns of like the victimness, because that's all part of abuse, right? The victimness, the... um. <sighs> You know, I went through my whole life in survival mode and I did so well, but COVID made me face down a lot of the victimhood patterns because I couldn't go to my go-to cop-out of survival, which was work and get paid and do the thing and succeed. Like that was my go-to. I literally was not allowed to go to my go-to to to heal through that pattern, which was a phenomenal thing to experience and have trust and go through and be like, I'm going to make it through this tunnel to the other side. Yes. So I'm going to say the takeaways are... There is an unwavering trust in my soul of whatever humans say to me, they can say to me. Whatever my human in my own head says to me, they can fucking say it to me. At the end of the day, we're gonna have to reconcile all that shit or walk away from it because there's more to this life. That's just the patterning on repeat. I don't need to engage it. I can just create and go forward. And I feel like that's been the greatest takeaway of, and I would imagine that this is something that anybody that has shared in such deep, painful experiences shares as the upside that we've had it so fucking bad. I'm never going back there. Hell no. And nor am I creating what I create out of fear or survival.
0: Yes, yes.
1: I'm creating it out of love and possibility and faith and belief because if I don't, we're in for trouble because have you seen what's happening on planet earth yes yes we have to we have to be the other polarity
0: we have to absolutely
1: because there's plenty pulling at the anger pulling at the hurt there's plenty of oppression patterns happening under the guise of help yes and that's Something that I think only people who have had manipulation done to them can realize or oppression done to them can see. Other people who have never been oppressed are following in blind faith. And it's almost like, you know, it's like one of those weird things. The responsibility falls on the seers, you know, we know. I love
0: that. I love (laughs) that so much, Shama. So, mi amor, is there anything else on your heart? I mean, that was pretty like we could end it on that. I was like, oh, you know. Well, I think the only other thing I wanted to touch
1: on was the plant medicine stuff we were talking about. Oh, yes. Because that we when we were talking about it, we got to a point where it, it was a little bit of a conversation of like the danger of not using reverence. So touching on that, and I know you study a lot of the path of South America and Peru, where I experienced ayahuasca journeys. But and, let me tell
0: you though, my teachers—they don't partake in that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure so I'm, there's I'm, different belief lineages, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm. In, I mean, but they do chew coca leaves. Ah, yeah. Which I'm sure I'm going to chew them when I go to Peru because yeah. you need it for the altitude.
1: So um, the coca leaves thin the blood, and that's what allows the oxygen to flow more freely. But and in high altitude,
0: allowed us to breathe. So yeah, phenomenal. Yes. So tell me about. So we were talking about it for just to bring everybody in real quick. Is we were talking about you know, she had practiced it, that she's led to guide it, that my guides told me not to do that, that I check in once in a while. I'm like, why? They're like, no, this is not for you. And I'm like, okay, they're like, you see things in other ways, you get things in other ways. But then we started talking about how it can really be really supportive when it's done the right way, and how it could be really dangerous for people. I personally have had people come to me who had attachments after they did ayahuasca and mushrooms, Mm. by the way, they had attachments with them. So they wasn't like the nicest, you know, so I don't know what went down because I wasn't there. Meaning when they, like addictive attachments with the medicine or no, attachments they had like other a, attachments and entities. With okay. Them. Okay. And they weren't like, let me be your guide. Hmm. You know, which shouldn't be in your body anyway. They should hover around. Ah. So it's been for years now, by the way, like 10 years I've had to help release, but it's not like every day, but there may I
1: be. I wonder if that's why you're not supposed to do it. Because you're meant to help those that
0: get the attachments with it. Hey. You can't be compromised. There you go. Yeah, they're like, don't mess with what we've got going on right now. Don't mess with it. They keep telling me. And I help them release it. So I love that. Truth bomb dropped here. (laughs) La verdad, la bomba, la bomba del conocimiento. (laughs) So tell me some things that you were saying, we were saying, because you have to be careful. You know, our psyche. Like I always tell people when you're looking for a healer or, or a hypnotherapist or someone to work with, you've got to have rapport and you've got to trust them because they're going into your shit. Yo, they're going to the maze of your soul and your subconscious. So how do we translate that to plant medicine? Yes. So I
1: would say for one, ask your questions and the things to look out for is make sure they're doing it with reverence and respect, make sure that they are people that look for, or at least have documentation where you can learn about like most of the places i've done it have been responsible in sharing like you need to disclose if you're on these medicines you need to talk about because the things you ingest in your body can have a counter effect to the medicinal stuff and you want to be mindful of that you don't want to be on certain medicines when that happens so it's got to be an organization that uses reverence and if they don't ask you anything about that massive red flag so look for that you want to know If they're inquiring about that if there's documentation they often send you to sign if it's in there it's got to be mentioned somewhere if it's not, then I would be i'd go somewhere where you can really have all the bases covered. Um, Someone you trust is really important, I think there's the culanderos or culanderas that are there on site that will lead the ceremony and serve the medicine and are the medicine people and often do the singing and there might be musicians there and things like that so like this is a traditional ceremony setting as far as what I've experienced and the reverence matters as far as I've experienced, you know, Um, having an additional person lead prep and post care is really important. That's something that I know Vanessa and I I think both offer that because it's something that's a gap and not really there in those communities as much unless you go to one of those really high end retreat centers, you know, and not everybody's able to do that, right. So uh, if you are doing it the ways that we've done eh? it and it's not for everybody like Vanessa's sharing right like some people get the call i feel like it's one of the things you're called to if you're seeking and you're one of those people seeking all the different things and constantly seeking i would say go sit with yourself before you seek anything outside of your being because too much seeking in that manner is likely an addiction pattern and you may not actually be getting the calls really sit with yourself and make sure you're getting called because otherwise you can have an uncomfortable and or dangerous experience nobody has actually died from it except for one person whose medicinal stuff did interact with it, who lied to, I guess, the community that he went to. But I, I don't know, and I don't know that community, so I wouldn't recommend that anyway. But that was one over hundreds of years. Right. Um, which, cigarettes, I don't want to tell you the stats, y'all. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> alcohol. Come on, sedentary lifestyle. Let's not get alcohol, into it. Alcohol, yeah. So, like, As my booty's in a chair, as we're recording this, I'm like, I'm like, we well, I'm right. gonna take a walk while we finish this yeah so just be mindful of like the reverence
1: with which you're going into it I would say set intentions beforehand and ask for what it is you want to get I always say with grace and ease please because I don't want to get slammed <laughs> yeah and make it make the changes manageable with yeah. grace and ease yeah because it's like some people going, I'm ready for a change in my life. I'm like, do you
0: know what that could translate like in the real world? <laughs> Girl, you don't want to be slapped down, kicked and punched. And pushed. If we've been there. That's why Vanessa and I are like, oh, you don't want. We've been there. Oh, I've chanted around the moon like 20 years ago, running around, doing my thing. And then I get home, I got a breakup, I get laid off. Like all this shit happened, forcing yeah. me to step into my work. And I'm like, pero, pero. And it's like, well, you should have asked it with take, you should have asked it with con calma. Mm. take it easy right like take it easy with peace and grace oh well, Shama, we got to bring you back because you know i think we're over the hour mark but it's yes, okay yes yes also, people are staying so still good. sending <laughs> y'all so much love everyone Gracias thank, you. Estar aquí. thank you for listening this was like a conversation that was overdue and we did it and you'll find all of shama's bio information her instagram um where can they reach you on instagram or on your website at shamas light Okay, beautiful. And I'll put all that in podcast Thank info. You. Gracias por estar con nosotros. Stay in touch. we got a Reiki class coming up. we got a lot of juicy. Oh, we got the trip to Peru, which I will mm-hmm. be sharing with all of you. And if you want to know more, just reach out and have a beautiful day. Con gracia, con facilidad, with grace and ease. Bye, everyone. Gracias. Bye, Shama. Bye. Ciao.